speculative fiction, mostly dark fantasy and horror, but I also dabble occasionally in science fiction. This is a continuing episode of a series with author A.G. Slater. You went to Clarion South, and not for the audience a little bit, that's a writer's <laughs> workshop. Um, I think Clarion South is fairly new. Uh, what year did it start in? Actually, that is actually the offshoot from the American version, which is, you know, you, the, you've got Clarion West and right. Clarion North and we're South because um, we're on the bottom half of the world. It, I think, started in about 2016. Yeah. And the last one was actually my iteration was 2009. Oh. So it was, it was exactly what you would want and expect a six-week boot camp for speculative fiction writers to be. It was challenging and in a a Brisbane summer, you know, which is very humid and and disgusting, Uh, and you're in a a non-air-conditioned accommodation, it's... um, Interesting. Oh, there's suffering involved, is there? It's wow. A, there's a bit of suffering, although it's funny because a friend of mine did, did Clarion a couple of years, Clarion South a couple of years before, and the university accommodation they'd been staying in was really, really, it was the oldest. It was at a different university. It was the oldest building on campus. It was absolutely the pits. So when he sort of drove me to the university I was going to, for this one, and we we're in brand new accommodation, which still didn't have air conditioning. Oh, so wow. we went, but no, where's the suffering? Yes. <laughs> right. There's like morning steam baths that are not nice steam baths. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. Not intentional. Hot boxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really good. It was it it was eye opening and it was and it was brain opening from learning more about writing because sometimes you'll you'll get to a point where you you plateau and you don't know what to do next you've had some success because by that point I'd been I'd been publishing for about three years and wondering how how I got better you know what what do I do next do how do I start changing my stories and it was uh it was good. We had we had an Australian author Trent Jamison. We had another Australian author Sean Williams, and Margot Lanigan, and Jack Dan. And in the last two weeks, with Jeff Vandermeer, suffering in the heat with the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Um, he was terrific. He was, it was just a really fresh perspective and and good ideas on where to go next and he was the person who sort of said well you really need a website um i suspect you've been avoiding doing it but you really need a website because people are are looking for you now from your stories so it's his fault that i have a website (laughs) Uh, (laughs) good job jeff (laughs) yeah good good one jeff thanks for you know being part of my success damn it Uh, (laughs) uh yeah so and he had actually he 
actually asked my friend Lisa and I if we would do some contributions for Steampunk 2, which is one of the anthologies that he's done with his wife Anne. So so that was fun. That was an area, something I hadn't written before, and and we – yeah, we played around with that. So that was a really good opportunity. Cool, cool. Now, what type of fiction do, uh, do you write? Well, mostly <laughs> fantasy and horror. My first trilogy was urban fantasy set in Brisbane. The books that I've done the last couple of years with Titan UK and US are gothic fantasy. So the latest one, I keep describing it as as Frankenstein meets Jane Eyre. So there's a bit of... Cool. <laughs> Um, Interesting there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, I'm a big fan of fairy and folk tales. So that's also largely what my PhD and my masters was in. So it's it's a matter of reworking a lot of those stories and using them as the basis for new tales. And I have on occasion written some science fiction stories. But Shocking. It's a bit- Shocking. Only shocking. some science fiction and stories. Some science fiction <laughs> stories, <laughs> uh, which is interesting because when I when I was a kid, I read a lot more science fiction than I read fantasy. So you would think that I I might be writing those, but apparently not. Yeah, so there are a couple. There's a mini collection that I did with, again, my friend Lisa called The Female Factory that you mentioned, and that came out through uh, 12th Planet Press, which is a small Australian press. And um, we had signed the contract to do it, and then the editor said to us, right, I want to see something science fiction-y from you guys. And we kind of went... Oh, crap. <laughs> so we had to think about that probably a bit more a bit more deeply than we otherwise would have if we'd just gone with the usual right. stuff that we do, fairy tale, folklore, you know, Vikings, um, that You're kind of thing. Being pushed into um, this. <laughs> we didn't agree to this. Damn it, we signed that contract. But in the end, it was a really good experience. It was really... Uh, something different and it was a challenge so the first story in that called Vox is about the uses of technology and infertility and what happens to the souls of miscarried children basically what happens to their voices and the next one I think was about Certain women, well, in this this world, certain women are like badgers in that they can get pregnant at the same time by different males and put the pregnancies on hiatus. So if it's a time that there's not much food around and that kind of thing, so you don't want the the babies to be born. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea about this. Here you go. This this is weird stuff. Good. This is is what happens when you tell fantasy writers to do science fiction. (laughs) And, yeah, so, again, that was about that idea of uh, how does everything in this world monetize fertility. The third one was, and I, gosh, it was about a lake that you go to and you can change gender. Mm. 
if you want to. Small country town, not very necessarily very welcoming of, you know, people who are different and if people want to have different lives, this is where they go. And the third one was a version of a kind of a Frankenstein in Australians, Australia's colonial history because we had prisons, female prisons called the Female Factory in Tasmania. And so we had all these motherless children orphans running around this prison and they literally made their own mother. Hmm. Wow. Frank and mom. So, ah. so that's what happened there. Oh, cool. Nice. No, there's some good, there's some good uh, stuff there. You, you also mentioned steampunk with Jeff Vandermeer, right? Yeah. So it must have been science fiction-like, I would assume, too. It was, it was. And I did, I did in fact find a, uh, actually a microfiction that I wrote, a steampunk microfiction that if I can read a bit later, if you would like. Cool. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So there we are, folks. If you, if you want to try something different than science fiction, she's got lots of it. And then if you want to like dive in for some, how do I say a sampler of, of, of science fiction, you got that too. Now, you publish as A.G. Slatter as well. I think you publish under both names. Can you tell me about that? My first series was under Angela Slater, and then I switched publishers, and they asked for a slight rebranding. Oh, okay. Because it was a different, it was a different kind of a series. So I'm now cunningly disguised as A.G. There we are. Um, Nobody will figure that out. It'll be, it'll keep you safe. <laughs> for the next four books, so... You mentioned a reading. What would you like to read? Yeah, it is just a little tiny microfiction called A Monkey in the Hand. And it's in just this teeny tiny book that I um, have out with a friend's small press called Red New Day and other microfictions. Can I pause on that that, 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 um, title? Evokes a lot of things in my mind. I don't know if they're the right things, though. Uh, Why is it called Red New Day? (laughs) It's actually a lot of these are reimaginings of bad days in the life of uh, Greek women in mythology. So Red New Day is, is when Helen is taken home to, to Troy. So it's all of those sort of things. Ah. You've got Cassandra and you've got Electra and you've got Clytemnestra and yeah, basically they're they're bad days. They're really <laughs> bad days. <laughs> got it. All right, cool. <laughs> are you are you gonna read the whole piece? It's just a question, sorry. Is it you gonna read the whole piece or? It is basically two pages. Oh, sweet. Yeah, because it's safe. Otherwise, we need an introduction because if you're gonna drop us in the middle of something. But I got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> you're good. <Okay>. No worries. <laughs> Retrospect, dear reader, it was a mistake. I should have known. Near days after I finished the mech monkey, I found it dissecting its real-life counterpart, pinned it to the table with my set of German-engineered scalpels and taken it apart. The dirigible from Stepney was running late, so when I arrived home with a sack of new books, the deed was almost done. I should have disassembled it then, but I thought I saw something in its eyes, something human. 
a desire to know, to learn, to understand why it was different, different to the soft, furry mirror that wailed and squealed and gave up on life so quickly. All I could hear was my father's voice, heavy with disappointment, but no real surprise. Oh, Phineas, you're so careless. Look what a mess you've made. So I tidied up the sticky, stinking corpse and threw it down the chute. I listened as it clanged along the shaft, whirled with around the spiral bits, thudded into the sharp bends, and then came then came the faint womp as the flames gobbled it up. I was careful to glean all, clean all the beveled and engraved edges of the mech monkey, and under his glass nails, which I realised but were too sharp by half, I checked his insides to make sure the clockwork mechanisms were all working and not misfiring in a way that might cause a psychotic episode. Turning him around, I opened the little hatch in his lower back where each morning I scooped three loads of coal to feed his tiny internal furnace. The emissions came out as, a, as small popping farts, and if I forgot to open a window, my workshop filled up very quickly with a nasty charcoal smoke. I kept it. It was useful for fetching and carrying, and it opened cans terribly well. Then one Tuesday I found it reading. It saw me and threw the book away, but it was too late by then I knew. It probably would have been okay if I hadn't got the next idea. I'd been thinking about making a Galatea, but then I read some about some sailors who caught themselves a mermaid and tried to bring her back to Portsmouth. They kept her in a barrel of seawater on the deck, but it seems she jumped ship just out of the harbour, waved goodbye and ducked under the cold, dark sea. And I thought, what if? Nice. Thank you. I really appreciate the uh, sensory uh, that you have in there too. It's really cool. Yeah, the the monkey falling down the chute and the um, sorry, there were some other ones in there too towards the end that I that I noticed. So that's really cool. Thank you. My name is Angela Slater. I am a writer of speculative fiction, mostly dark fantasy and horror, but I also dabble occasionally in science fiction. Hey, are you working on anything new? I am working on something new. I am working on a graphic novel, but it's a secret at the moment. So um, we will have more information about that next month. Okay. And then you have a novel as well? In the I do. I have a new novel called The Path of Thorns, which is basically, I think I may have said before, Frankenstein meets Jane Eyre with some... With a touch of dark shadows as well, so if you're looking for the the drama vibe in there, that that would work. <laughs> and my call to action, uh, you know, guys, I just think we really all need to be kind to each other at the moment because life is really hard. So um, take a deep breath, be kind to yourself, and be kind to everyone else around you. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you with the headphones on who are listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts. You've been listening to the show for a while. You must be enjoying it because you keep coming back. Well, hey, help me out. Tell your friends, your family, other people who would like to listen to Sci-Fi Thoughts. Give me a hand. Help me grow the show. So go ahead and right now, just send a text message, write an email, Turn around and talk to the person next to you and tell them about sci-fi thoughts. They can find us via Google or they could type in sci-fi thoughts dot space. 
Check out the show notes. We've got some goodies there from A.G. Slater, some videos of her doing work with other authors on the internets. You'll also find other things like her homepage and other things that come up during the show as, as well. Where are the show notes? They pop up right in your podcast player if you use one. If you're not using a podcast player, just go back to the website where you downloaded this MP3 and the show notes will be right there in the web page. This was a continuing episode of a series with A.G. Slater. If you missed the first episode, the series started at episode 188. If you're like my friend Min and you missed the first episode of the series, type into your search engine... Lancer, Sci-Fi Thoughts, A.G. Slater, S-L-A-T-T-E-R.